listening to the Living Room North Living Room North Living Room North podcast. Hello, TLR. Hey, my name is Beth, and I am so excited to be hanging out with you guys tonight. Um, And I work at Buckhead Church, but I actually live here in Cumming, so this is home for me. Um, I live here uh, with my husband and my dog, Um, and really all you need to know about me is that I am obsessed with my dog. We have a a one-and-a-half-year-old Boston Terrier named Mia. Does somebody just cheer for a Boston Terrier? or just a dog in general. That's right, Bostons are the best. Um, Some would say that our dog is um, a little wild, maybe on the bad side, Um, and that may be true because she might be a little untrained um, because I just spoil her all the time. Um, But what she's really good at is TikToks. And so we make a lot of videos together, like this one right here. I brought one um, with me. your dog. That's her. I feel like we need to play it one more time to get the full effect. Bark at your dog. Roof! Yep, that's her. All the time. She is wild and she is crazy and I absolutely love her. And that has absolutely nothing to do with what I am talking about tonight. I just want any excuse to show you a video of my dog and talk about her. But it's not at all what we're talking about tonight. Tonight we are in uh, the final part of a series that you guys have been in called Struggle Bus. And as I was thinking about this series, it caused me um, to think back on my own college experience. And obviously there were a lot of good moments in college, but I also had a lot of struggle bus moments in my college years. I mean, I went into college um, as one major. I figured out pretty quickly that that is not at all what I wanted to major in. And so instead of wasting time taking classes in a major that I didn't want to be in anymore, I decided to go undecided. And I was undecided for so long that eventually the school reached out to me and was like, you have to pick a major if you want to go to school here anymore. And so I just picked something, anything that I could graduate with. And I remember after my uh, first semester of freshman year, I remember going home for Christmas break, and I remember just the overwhelming feelings of loneliness where I had made some friends in college, but they weren't exactly the types of friendships that I was hoping to make. I wasn't in the kind of community that I hoped to be in, and making friends, really good friends, those lifelong friendships that everyone talked about, that it just didn't seem as easy as everyone had made it seem. And I remember being broke all the time, like having absolutely no money and going out to dinner with my friends and like handing over the debit card and you're like, Lord, I need a miracle. Like I'm gonna need you to put money in that account that does not exist because I don't wanna hear one more time, like, sorry, your card has been declined or go check my bank account and it's in the negatives again. And I know that you're supposed to go to college to get an education. Um, I went to college to find myself a husband Um, But if that was my plan, I should have chosen where I went to school better. Um, And I went to college in South Carolina, and the female-to-male ratio was six to one. So we had six females to one male, so that did not go well for me, to the point where I did not go on a single date until second semester of my senior year of college. And I was in college in South Carolina, and by that point, I already knew that I was moving to Atlanta, and this guy that... I went on two dates with, was planning on staying in South Carolina, and I was like, this is literally a waste of my time. Like, what am I doing? This isn't going anywhere. 
And so I ended it with him. And so I ended up graduating college with a major that I had no idea what I was going to do with, completely broke, and not at all meeting my goal of finding a husband. I was like, I could not be more single. Like, couldn't be more single. And so there were moments all through college for me where I was like, this feels like a struggle. I'm sure for you, whether it's your finances, whether it's your classes, or relationship, or stuff that's going on with your family, or just other circumstances going on in your life, it is possible that you have found yourself on the struggle bus. And it makes sense, because you guys are in a phase of life where you are having to figure out so much. You're having to figure out like future decisions, but you're also having to navigate present decisions. You're figuring out relationships in a new way. You're figuring out family dynamics in a new way. You're figuring out how to manage your life differently than you once had figured out how to manage your life. There's just a lot coming at you that can make it feel like you're on the struggle bus. And if you've been on the struggle bus, or if you're there right now, then you know that that there can tend to be these things that start to happen in us, these things that we feel when we're on the struggle bus, that when we're struggling, when we're in a difficult situation, that often the first thing that we begin to feel is that we get stressed out. And all of us have felt stressed at some point in our life. And stress is like a natural response that happens in our body. It's actually the way that our body like protects us against danger. And it like sends this physical reaction and and we feel that with like our heart rate or our breathing, our blood pressure goes up that makes us, you know, have that adrenaline rush in our body. And this like physical reaction to danger or a trigger in our life is normal. But how many of us, myself included, seem to deal with like perpetual stress in our life? Where it's like, okay, but this feeling doesn't just come every now and then. I feel like I am constantly living in a state of being stressed out. And if you've been in the state of being stressed out for a while, well then eventually what happens is you begin to feel burned out. And what happens with being burned out, it's that perpetual state of stress. Where normally, in a normal situation... When we feel stressed out, eventually when that danger goes away or that fear that was in front of us, whenever that subsides, that eventually our body releases this hormone that tells us, hey, you can go ahead and calm down. Like everything's okay. It's like this brake system in our body that tells us like, hey, it's okay to chill out. But when we begin to experience burnout in our life, it's almost like when You know when you're having a dream, and in your dream, you're trying to run, like you're trying to get somewhere, and you're not moving, and in your dream, you're like, you can't even see the danger that's going on, like you can't even like figure out what it is that you're running from, or what it is that you're running to, but in your dream, you're like, this is bad, I know this is bad, and I have to get out of this situation, and you're running, and you're trying to move, but like you're not going anywhere at all. Like, that's what burnout starts to feel like for us, where it's like, I'm moving, I'm trying to move, I'm trying to figure things out, I'm trying to head in some direction, but I just don't seem to be getting anywhere. And it starts to, like, weigh us down. We start to feel the effects of that. And then eventually what happens, and maybe you're at this place right now where eventually the only thing that we want to do is we just want to be checked out altogether. 
where we're like, I just, I want to avoid the thing. I don't want to think about it anymore. I don't want to have to deal with it. And nobody can change my mind. Nobody can tell me any differently. Nothing is going to make me feel different about this situation. And I don't know if you guys know anything about the Enneagram, but I am an Enneagram 9. And so I'm like, this is like my whole life. Where I'm like, anytime I feel stressed, anytime I feel overwhelmed, I'm like, I just want to avoid it. Like, I don't want to talk about it. I want it to go away. I don't want to confront it. I don't want to deal with it. Like, I want it to just work itself out on its own. And when there's something in my life where I'm like, I'm struggling, I'm overwhelmed, I'm stressed out, my solution is like, well, I'll just act like it's not there and maybe it just won't be there anymore. Like, anyone else? Like, this is a challenge for most of us. And now how many of you just talking about stress, talking about burnout, and talking about being checked out, you're like, I'm stressed right now. Or like, I am feeling, like, this is making my heart race, like, I'm getting a little sweaty, like, I don't like this. I get it. I'm going to maybe stress you out a little bit longer, and then we'll get some good news. But this being stressed out, burned out, and checking out, what happens is it begins to develop these feelings of, like, hopelessness, an angst in our life. And there's this medical journal that did this study, and it found this statistic, that depression and anxiety rose by more than 25% in 2020. And I don't, I don't know that any of us find that statistic surprising. I think that we've heard a lot about how over the last few years, how much anxiety and depression have risen um, within our culture and within our world. But what's crazy is that within this statistic, they found that the age group of 18 to 24 was the age group that experienced the largest rise in anxiety, that they were the age group that had the biggest jump in anxiety and depression in 2020. And then Boston University actually did this study last year, and uh, what they found is that now almost one in three Americans who are over the age of 18 deal with depression and anxiety. And so clearly, the struggle is real. And the chances that you're experiencing it right now, or have experienced it, or will begin to experience it, the chances of that is pretty high. And oftentimes, even the things that we struggle with, the things that we face, Sometimes those things aren't even our fault, but sometimes it's just things that are coming at us. And with the phase of life that you guys are in and the things that you're facing, sometimes it's like, it's just like the next class is still going to come. Like the next bill is still has to get paid. Like the breakup may still happen. You still have to figure out the family dynamic. It feels like that next tragedy is just around the corner or there's still another goal that you have to meet or something else that you have to figure out. And so what do we do? Because I think that for most of us, what we hope for is we hope for a life that is filled with like love and joy and peace and hope and a life that feels full. But oftentimes it can feel like us trying to get it. The things that we're going after to try and experience that type of life ultimately end up making us feel like it's what's keeping us from living that type of life. So what do we do? Well, tonight, I want us to look at a conversation that Jesus has um, with his disciples. 
And this conversation that Jesus has with them, it happens after dinner. It actually happens after what is known um, as the Last Supper, where it's the last dinner that Jesus has with his disciples um, before he is going to be arrested and then ultimately crucified. And Jesus is trying to prepare them for what's to come. And so he has this conversation with them. And here's what Jesus says to them. He says, I am the true vine, and my father, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Each branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. So in the classic way that Jesus would teach, he's talking to his disciples in a metaphor. And he's talking to them in a metaphor that they would have understood. Because before Jesus, um, the nation of Israel was often referred to or used the imagery of a vine. And if you look through the Old Testament, you'll see Israel referred to as a vine a lot. And for them, they were referred to as a vine because they believed that the people, the branches, were that they were to go and to do, produce good fruit. And they used this imagery of a vine because it connected them to God. But as you see oftentimes in the Old Testament, that the fruit that this nation produced, that these people produced, that it wasn't always honoring to God and it caused them a lot of problems. And so Jesus steps on the scene and he flips the script and he uses this imagery and this concept and this idea that they would understand. And he tells the disciples that, hey, actually, this thing that you've heard, this concept that you've talked about with the nation of Israel, actually, I am the true vine. He says, I am the true vine. And he says that God is the vine dresser, meaning God is the gardener that he is the one who cares for the vine. And then Jesus continues on talking to his disciples, and he says this. He says, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And so Jesus continues on in this metaphor with the disciples. And he's telling them, hey, I am the vine and you are the branches. And if he was talking to us, he would tell us the exact same thing. He would say, hey, I am the vine and you are the branches. And what the disciples would have understood is that any good vine, any good branch like this, that at the end of it, there would be a grape, there would be fruit, there would be good fruit that is produced. And so what Jesus is telling the disciples is he's setting up for them like, hey, I am your source of life. And that apart from me, this goodness that you hope to see, this fruit that you hope to bear in your life, it's not possible apart from me. And what the disciples didn't totally know, what they didn't quite understand in the moment is that when Jesus was going to get arrested and that when he was going to get crucified, that their life was about to get really, really hard. That they were going to be challenged, that they were going to have a difficult time, that they were going to struggle, that they were going to have moments where they were going to be stressed. They were going to have moments they were probably going to be burned out, where they were going to have moments where they were going to want to check out of everything they had been told and everything that Jesus had challenged them to do. And what Jesus is telling them in this moment, 
What he is reminding them that is true in this moment is he is telling them, hey, if you want to bear good fruit in your life, if you want anything good in your life, what you have to do is abide in me because apart from me, it's gonna get really difficult. You're gonna struggle. Things are gonna be really hard, but if you choose to abide in me, things could look differently for you. And so what does it mean to abide? Well, to abide, it means to remain or to believe. And so what Jesus is telling his disciples and what Jesus is telling us is he's saying, hey, remain in me. Trust me. Walk with me. Believe me. Depend on me. Be obedient to me and what you, what I have called you to do. If you will abide in me, if you will remain in me, if you will believe in me, then I'm telling you things in your life could look different. And what I find to be so powerful about this verse is that what Jesus offers for us is that our lives could begin to look different simply if we change our posture. And that for so many of us, we find ourselves striving to get the things that we hope to get in our life. Where we find ourselves striving to try and get that joy and that peace and that hope and that full life that we want. But what Jesus is saying is he is saying, hey, you don't have to strive for it. All you need to do is to abide in me. Trust me. Remain in me, walk with me, believe me, depend on me. See, what Jesus is telling the disciples is this. He's telling the disciples, if you want to thrive, learn to abide. If you want to thrive in your life, if you want to bear fruit like love and joy and peace and hope in a full life, if you want to bear that fruit, then abide in me. And so what does it look like to abide in Jesus? I think there's three things. And if we focused on these three things, if we did these three things, well then I think we would be abiding in Jesus. We would be trusting in him, believing in him, and remaining in him. And the first is if we choose to spend time in scripture. Because scripture is how we get to know who God is. Scripture is what tells us about God's character. Scripture is how we begin to know more about who we are. And I know that at times it can be intimidating. I know that at times it can be difficult to know where to start. I know at times it can be difficult to understand, but God has given us this gift to get to know him. He has given us this gift that helps us understand how to live our life and what he has called us to do. And the more that we spend time in scripture, the more that we begin to get to know God. And when we do that, we're abiding in him. And the second time, the second thing is to be in prayer. And I don't think we have to overcomplicate prayer. I think when it comes to prayer, what we can remember is that we have a relational God who wants to be in a relationship with us. And so when it comes to prayer, he just simply wants to hear your voice. He wants you to be real. He wants you to talk to him about what is going on in your life. He wants to meet you right where he's at. But when we choose to sit and talk to God and go to him with the things in our life, well, that is us abiding in him. And lastly, I think we should invest in community. 
we were not meant to live life alone. And when you are struggling, when you are going through something difficult in your life, you are going to need people to rally around you. You're gonna need people who can help you process, but you're also gonna need people who are gonna be willing to speak truth over your life. And there's a reason that the living room always says that this is a home away from home. And there's a reason that the living room offers small groups for you to get into. Because we hope that you guys will choose to get in community with people where you won't live life alone, but that you will begin to experience Jesus in one another. That you'll begin to remind each other of truth and that together you can begin to abide in Jesus. And I know I told you at the beginning of the message tonight, I told you about some of the things that I found myself struggling with in college. But the idea of being on the struggle bus or having things in our life that are difficult or things that we face that are hard, it doesn't end in your college years. And I know that in my own life personally, this last year, really the last eight months, have been incredibly difficult for me. And I told you guys that finding um, friends in college, that at first it was difficult. That finding those like lifelong friends that everyone talks about finding and how your college years are so great, where at first I was like, I don't, I'm not feeling that, like I'm not experiencing that. But eventually I did find those friends. And I found three um, girls in college that became like my absolute three best friends. And we ended up living together our sophomore year all the way through the end of college. And then as we graduated college, um, we kept a group text going that we have texted in almost every single day since we've graduated. And this year, I will have been out of college for 10 years. So I mean, these friendships have like lasted the test of time. And we've all been in each other's weddings. Like we have kept up with each other. Like these are friends that I am like, you are more like my sister than you are my friend. And in the middle of last year, we lost one of our friends, Allison, to suicide. And I had no idea. I had no idea that she was hurting. I had no idea that she was struggling. I had no idea this was going on in her life. And I know that so many of you unfortunately know what that feels like. And in the middle of losing Allison, my husband and I were in the middle of struggling with infertility. And I was in doctor appointment after doctor appointment trying to figure out what was going on. And as we were in the thick of that, Allison died. And she would have been one of the people that I turned to, to talk to, and to process. And there was a season where I struggled. Where I was like, I mean, I'm past stressed out. Like, I'm past burned out. Do I want to check out? Absolutely, I want to check out. I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to figure it out. It's too much. It's overwhelming. I was mad. I was angry. I had so many questions. But can I tell you what got me through and what made all the difference? It was abiding in Jesus. And the things that made all the difference in my life, it was scripture that I began to cling to. Scripture, like in Romans 8.28, that says, And we know 
that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. It's scripture like in Matthew 6, 8 that says, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. It's scripture like in Psalm 34 that says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. And where it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. I clinged to the truth of God's word. Where I could rest and I could know that God is not mad at me. God is not punishing me. That this is not a test for me to pass. But that God is close to me. That God is working out what is best for me that God's plans are far better than my own, that he is doing things that I cannot see, that I do not understand, that I can't quite comprehend, but because I know that God is good, I know that it's gonna end up good and I can trust that. And what got me through was prayer. Where I would be brutally honest with God. I was like, God, this sucks. Grief sucks. Not getting what I thought that was going to come easily to me. God, this sucks. And as I was honest with God and laid it all out, what scripture talks about, that peace that surpasses all understanding, where the more that I talk to God, the more peace that I experience in my life, where I thought I don't understand and I don't get it. And I don't know that I ever will, but when I would choose to sit and meet with God, what I could not deny was the fact that he was good and that he loved me and that I was his child. And then what got me through was community. Where I had friends who were willing to pray with me, friends who would just send a text to say, hey, I just want you to know that I'm thinking about you and I love you. Friends who could just drop by and we didn't have to talk, we didn't have to say anything, but they would just drop off a gift to let me know that they were thinking about me. And one of the most powerful pieces of my community was my counselor, who I could go and could be real with, and honestly, at times, who I needed to look at me and say, no, you're not crazy. Like, everything you're feeling right now is a normal thing to feel. Like, you're experiencing grief, and it's hard, and I'm going to help you process, and I'm going to help you figure it out. But it was having people like that who could see hope that I couldn't always see, who could have faith that I couldn't have in the moment, who could see what God was doing far better than I could see what God was doing, who allowed me to stay consistent in my time with Jesus and to trust that he was still working and that he was still good. And so this is not just stuff that Jesus tossed out to the disciples as this random piece of advice. I'm telling you, this stuff makes all the difference. That walking through one of the hardest seasons that I have ever walked through, that peace was still possible, that joy was still possible, that hope was possible, that seeing goodness in my life was possible simply because I remained in Jesus simply because I trusted him, 
simply because I believed who he said he was, simply because I was going to choose to depend on him. And gosh, our confidence does not come from our circumstances of this world. Because scripture also tells us that in this world we will have trouble, but we can take heart because he has overcome the world. And we get to experience that in our own life when we choose to abide in him and him alone. 